Welcome to the Changing Titles of Recovery workshop. My name is Carol M., and I'm your compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. This session is being taped. If anyone wishing to share will be required to sign a speaker release that we have. Um, To protect our anonymity, no photograph, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An Ask It Basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of the session. If you enjoy this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other session. They are available on CD or as an electronic download. The format of this, here we go, the format of this session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by 10 minutes of questions and answers, finishing up with 10 minutes of open pitches. The topic for this, of course, this discussion is changing cycles and of recovery, and our first speaker is Lynn. Hey everybody, my name is Lynn and I'm a real compulsive overeater. Hi, it's so good to be here. I'm just uh, really grateful to be asked to share. Um, you know, and there's no place I'd rather be right here right now than a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous and this has been a beautiful convention so far. Um, changing cycles of recovery. When I first got the email that said this is one of the topics that was still open, I said, who told them I was perimenopausal? <laughs> you know, like, don't even have my age down. You know, I don't, um, but I was a little apprehensive of the topic. Um, I didn't exactly know what, what they might have in mind, but knowing that you know God's in charge, something would come to mind. And I had a beautiful talk with uh, the gal who was doing the the um, speaker getting, and, and we t- talked a little bit about it. I thought, okay, I think I've got something that I can share. And just to quickly qualify, I came into Overeaters Anonymous in uh, March of 2003, and, um, and you know, I just, I came here and I was like, oh my gosh, I belong here. These are my people, and I saw a solution. Um, I have two and a half years of back-to-back recommitted abstinence, and um, you know, I'm so grateful. Twelve years I've been here. I've never had the obsession to leave. You know, the uh, I've gone through a lot of things, and I just knew that you know this was the place where the solution for my problem was. Uh, one of the things I uh, was appealing to me about this topic is its cycles. You know, one of the first things I learned here in Overeaters Anonymous is what the cycle of my problem looked like. That I could see. You know, I'm a real compulsive overeater. I'm restless, irritable, and discontented without a solution to this spiritual malady, um, I will pick up that bite. You know, I will pick up that extra food to have that sense of ease and comfort that comes from the first bite. When I do that, it triggers me into a phenomenon of craving that sets off a binge from which, you know, hopefully I can come out of um, at some point and then I am remorseful and, you know, I am resolved to not do it again. But of myself and by myself, I cannot... I don't have that power. I'm powerless over food. So I see that as a cycle. And I often, um, you know, it's a visual for me. It's a circular visual of what it's like for me without a power than greater than self in my life. So the first thing for me that um, when I first got here and I heard people sharing that they ate, they had eaten like I had eaten, and they didn't have to do that anymore if they didn't want to, if they were willing to do what this program had to offer. And, um, you know, I got a sponsor right away, and I got abstinent. And that's, for me, this first cycle, or 
or kind of a cycle, if you will, is this pink cloud abstinence. You know, that pink cloud, everything's new, everything's exciting, especially as being the newcomer, you know, you're the most important person in the room. And that's a beautiful thing. I don't discount it. I don't look at a pink cloud and, you know, I never have with this, oh, you know, that's going to go away. Because my sponsors uh, all told me, you know, you can have that pink cloud as long as you want, but there are days you are going to have to paint it yourself. And that's okay with me. You know, I have to do the work. The assumption is at some point I'm going to do the work to have a change in character that I can continue. You know, this surrender, this first-time surrender helps to relieve the obsession. Um, but in and of itself, if I don't have a complete psychic change, then the old attitude, the old character, will return. Um, so for me, you know, I had a lot of enthusiasm for this program, especially early on. And I mean, so I had friends that would call me the cheerleader of OA. You know, I lost my weight. So I was, you know, I felt really good. And that's a great thing. Um, but, you know, the, uh, and I did what I really, you know, I don't know if I really knew what I was up against, you know, for a long time. I really, I got the, the, got the food cravings. I understood the phenomenon of craving. And I, um, and I did these things. I went to meetings. I had a sponsor. I did, did the steps. You know, I did all this stuff. And a lot of the time, I felt really good. What I didn't have for me, for my life, was a, a true understanding of how much I needed a power greater than myself in all areas of my life. I was a selective surrenderer. And I'd even surrendered the, the food I'd surrendered, but I hadn't surrendered, you know, all my old ideas, the old ideas that are referred to in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that aren't about alcohol or food. They're about my ideas of, you know, being closed-minded, basically. So I'll just kind of say that my pink cloud, um, I do have relapse as part of my my story. For me, relapse is not part of my recovery, but it is an experience that I'd had that, you know, I'm glad that there's hope. For I really believe that as long as someone's on this planet, there is hope for them to recover for the first time or another miracle to happen to bring us back to recovery. Um, the second cycle, if you will, for me in recovery was, you know, I'd completed my first round of steps, if you will. I sponsored. Um, I've always sponsored in this program when I've been abstinent. And, you know, I got the promises. I have had the promises of this program. My challenge, generally speaking, is to, to, to like, appreciate that I have the promises, from, you know, of this program. Um, and when they talk about trudging that road to happy destiny, um, keeping my attitude is such that trudging is walking with purpose. You know, I think trudging can sound for me like a negative connotation, and it really is a, a purposeful. I have a purpose in my life now, and um, and there have been so many times, so much of my life in program has been that way. I felt like I've had a purpose. So many of the um, promises coming true on a regular basis for me, in particular fear of economic insecurity and people. You know, I, before I came here, was so afraid of what you all thought of me, like what anybody thought of me, um, that I was fairly paralyzed a lot of the time. And coming here and being in program and developing faith in a power greater than self really helped me to... um, to really have the realization of this program, you know, the promises of this program. I was able to have the self-honesty through the steps to realize, you know, get over yourself, Lynn. You made a mistake. Move on. You write it, and you move on. And then so, because I used to say I never did geographics. I did psychographics. You know, I would do something, you know, maybe made you mad or in my head because I was so much in my head. You know, well, now I can just never see that person again, you know, or I guess I'll have to leave that job or whatever. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be like that for me today. A lot of the time, you know, I can make a mistake and I can say to somebody, it just happened to me recently. I I had a situation at work, you know, and I was punishing. I was going to show this person who I was in this company. And don't you know, you, you just shouldn't treat me that way. And it was unnecessary. You know, it was unnecessary, and of course it happened on a Friday afternoon, so I had to do it Monday, but um, to be able to just get past it and then not make it the big thing forever, you know, just be able to say, you know what, I'm very sorry I was rude to you. I shouldn't have treated you that way, and then be able to move on. Um, And, you know, it's the simple things like that. That's what's going to get me. You know what I mean? Like, I went through my mother passing away, my father passing away, abstinent. The things that will make me, you know, start in my head are the little things on a day-to-day basis. And what, for me, I've really been um, shown, especially over the last few years, is, you know, this program for me is in the day I'm in. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, I get up in the morning, and yes, it's important for me to start my day with prayer and meditation, but when I'm in the day that I'm in, when I'm out, when I'm at the office in particular, I have to live this program. I've got a choice. Anytime I'm faced with that discomfort, that dis-ease, dishonesty, selfishness, whatever it is, I've got a choice to either have a program of recovery in my life right there, right then, or I, ha- or I can rely on the power of Lynn, you know, and which, you know, and I used to say, you know, I just kept throwing more Lynn at stuff, you know, and so for, I'll kind of move on to, the, for me, the next changing cycle um, is, you know, the resurgent ego, which I used to hear the word ego, and I'd be like, oh my God, get the whip out, we're talking about ego. Like, big umbrella word for every character defect that I have, me, and so it meant nothing to me. Ego meant nothing because what it meant is just bad lit. Because I hadn't really developed this concept of like, what it, how powerless I was, how unmanageable my thought life was without a power greater than self. I didn't, I just, you know, the dots weren't fully connected for me. And it wasn't that anybody withheld the information, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I'm sure I've, over the years have, you know, um, it's like the layers of the onion, you know, realizations and deeper understandings and being exposed to other people's experiences that, you know, I can be abstinent, but my physical abstinence does not treat my mental illness. I cannot, you know, just being abstinent alone doesn't do it for me. I have to have a power greater than self. I have to live by spiritual principles to back up my thinking and then my actions. Otherwise, you know, all bets are off and I'm basically kind of, you know, I'm crazy. So what happened for me is this resurgent ego, you know, I didn't know how to identify it. And, um, you know, the obsession returned. And so um, I've heard various ways of of this being described, but one of them I really love, and it's an OA-approved book that isn't cited much in Overeaters Anonymous, and it's AA Comes of Age. It's an, oh, by their, you know, through the the AA, um, you know, approval, the OA has approved it, and it's a little talk from a convention about ego in and of itself and how the recuperative powers of the ego and what the ego looks like. And one one member writing to another, which I believe was probably Bill, because he did a lot of writing, said, I'm suffering from a haloptosis. Um, and what that meant was his halo had fallen down. The halo had fallen down. And it's this fall from the pink cloud into this malaise. And, um, and for me, that's what I can see when I have this resurgent ego in my life. What it looks like for me is if it's a food obsession, it's, you know, this thing where um, I am like, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm stuck at a certain point and I can't seem to get past it. And maybe I have this thought of, man, I really got to do something about this, right? Because it's more Lynn. I'm going to throw more Lynn at it, and that's going to make it work. Um, And then uh, 
But I don't know why, like two days later, you know, I'm not calling that sponsor every day like I said I was going to. I'm not going to the 90 and 90 that maybe I said I committed to. If it's not about the food, then maybe it's something I'm doing at work, you know, gossiping or talking about, you know, oh, trying to run my sister's life, you know, which is my one of my other obsessions, you know. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then, boom, two days later, I'm doing the same thing. And what I have found is the same, you know, recuperative ego that keeps me from trying to get recovery in my program, you know, from compulsive eating, is the same function operating underneath the surface that stops me from doing what I need to do in other areas of my life. And so I can recognize that today. And so this cycle for me is really the one, two, three, which is, you know, I'm, I'm complete defeat, right? Why would I need a power if I'm not completely defeated? Then it's, I need a power. I am a power for my life, but I need a power for my life. I need a power greater than self. And then the third is, um, I got to want to do this thing. I got to want a program of recovery. I got to want to move forward. Well, for me, step six and seven is very much the same. And I didn't get this when I kind of did the steps first time around. Sorry, air bunnies for the recording. I did the steps. I worked them, you know. Um, that that is, I gotta. I'm gonna not only be willing for my defects of character to be lifted. I have to realize how powerless I am to lift them by myself and of myself. Of myself and by myself, I mean well, but I can't do well. You know, I really, I've I've had great improvement and by practice, but I have to live this program very deeply, or it's or I don't, you know, or I don't have the promises. Um, and then. Uh, 4, 10, 11, 12, it's the same thing. So they're almost all the same cycle. And that's what I love about the program. It's one, two, three all over again in so many areas of my life. Um, um, so for me, the steps, uh, I have to live them, you know, one day at a time. I have to get up in the morning and remind myself, you know, God, can you be with me? I don't know if anybody else is like this. And, and this is something that's really helped me. I have a feeling sometimes that my mind wakes up a few minutes before me, you know, and I wake up and it's like, oh, good, we've been waiting for you. You know, here's who, here's the things you left that you were worried about, you know, when you went to bed. Um, here is the, the people that you're mad at, you know, or the people that you're afraid of or whatever. I mean, I haven't even had time to go to the bathroom yet, and I'm just, you know, totally spun out. I have a friend that's like, I haven't had a, a peaceful shower, you know, in years. <laughs> and I totally get that. I'm doing the lather, rinse, repeat, and I'm just like, holy cow, you know. Um, I just, it's, it's, it's torture, right? It's, it's, it really is to be an untreated compulsive overeater is really painful. And so when I'm not, you know, working with a power greater than self, like really in the day, I'm in, it's, uh, you know, it's not a pretty sight. And I, my sponsor sometimes will take, have me take my hands and, and put it here, go, behind enemy lines, you know, it's really, my mind is, uh, you know, I have an aberrated mind, I have a warped mind. It says it, glass in hand, you know, food in hand, fork in hand, I warped my mind. And um, I have an unmanageable thought life, and that's kind of untreated, that's where my mind goes. But with a power greater than self, I can have compassion. You know, I have to... Um, I have to engage in that power. I have to connect to the power. I do go to meetings, you know, frequently. I go to four meetings a week, and, you know, but I have to be mindful at the meetings. And that's kind of, I think, where I want, I don't know how much time I have left at all, but I'll just go to go. Oh, oh, perfect. Okay, so what was exposed, what shared with me a couple things in the last few years that really helped me, because I'd gone through periods of relapse, and it was like, I know what to do, and I can't seem to do it. 
I know what to do and I can't seem to do it. What's wrong with me? You know, what's wrong with me? And one of the things that happened was somebody had come back from a relapse and they were on fire. They were into it, you know, into it. And she said, we were talking and and she'd always been a big book person. And I love the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I believe truly it is the user's manual to run a, a compulsive eater to good purpose. You know, if you ever, I used to say all the time, I don't know like how everyone else got the manual, but I would walk around going, I have no idea how to do this thing called life and everybody else seems to know. And, um, and so this person basically, you know, I'll synopsize it said, you know, if you believe this book is the truth, are you doing what it says to do? And the more I dug into it, the more I realized that, no, I am not doing what this book says to do. This book tells me that love and tolerance is to be my code. It says that in step 10, if I remember correctly. Um, and you know what? I had not been living like love and tolerance is my code all the time. You know, it tells me exactly how to deal with every single resentment I have during the day or when I have anger or dishonesty or whatever. I'm to look for it. What that tells me today is, you know what? There's going to be dishonesty in my day. There's going to be fear. There's going to be anger. It's going to come up because I'm a human being. And I'm a compulsive eater who, you know, it's not bad Lynn when I have these things come up. It's help me God. Help me God. You know, it's a God help program, not a self-help program. Um, The other thing that was... um, So, yeah, to be able to really start doing these things. You know, when I get up in the morning and, you know, do I read page 85 and 86 or 86 and 87 in the morning? Or do I do what it says to do? For years. I've been in program for like 10 years. And I had not really thought about my plans for the day. And it says, we think about our plans for the day. I guess I'm thick, you know, I guess I'm thick. But it's like, what a blessing to be able to be open-minded enough. And this is, to me, you know, it happened to me because I was in enough pain. For someone to go, go back and look at it again. See what you need to do. The instructions are right there in black and white. And today, that is a huge part of my day-to-day is really uh, my mornings. I do get up. I think about my day. I'm going to be a wife today, again, (laughs) still. I'm going to be a a worker among workers, hopefully. I'm going to have meet some sponsees. You know, how can I be present for them in their lives? This cycle for me is is this real, um, it's a resurgence of, not just enthusiasm for the program, because my enthusiasm for the program has never gone away, but it's almost like, the again, it's an open-mindedness to be really mindful this and, and really, like, live this program deeply. You know, like, I spent years being really studious in this program, and, and, and I certainly, you know, wanted my sponsors to be happy with me. I wanted to, I was doing this thing, you know, and yet I was not a mindful person. I would do things that I'd be like, I, as soon as I did them, I couldn't remember. I don't know if anyone else has done this. That three minutes, perfect. Get driving home, not even know if you actually stopped at the stop sign. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's how. And I can be that way a lot, you know, and to be able to say, you know, my life's important to me today. It really is. I don't want to miss a minute. Just like I miss so many years being in the food, I don't want to miss my life because I'm up here. You know, I don't want to miss what my sponsees have to say because I'm thinking about what I'm going to say when they're done. And I think from, a, from looking at that as a cycle, it really is kind of a uh, stripping away of even more ego and even more like I think I know how I need to work this program and be willing to hear and take from, from everybody and everything, you know, that I see in meetings and whatever and try it on. Because for me, it's an experiential program. I have to try it. 
just like step two said, I'm going to act as if I got a power greater than self and see what happens. I, I can try. This person seems to think this is working for them. It seems to work. I'll give it a try and see how it works for me. And if it doesn't work for me, that's okay. It's a personal, you know, everybody has their own way of working the 12 steps within the framework of, of what's been shared with us. But if I'm not willing to try something, then that's a great indicator for me that I'm stuck in that cycle of malaise, that I'm stuck in a cycle of I know how to do this program, thank you very much. And I don't want to live like that today. I want to, you know, my life is important to me. i got to do this program for my life. It says in the book, no one wants to admit complete defeat, but once we do, we're able to get better. So I think, I think that's actually it for me. I'm going to stand a couple minutes early. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lind. Now we'll hear Robin. Hi, everybody. My name is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi very happy to be here today. Um, I'm a little cloudy. I've been in the big book study all day, so um, I'm, but I'm very happy to be here. I am from uh, South Florida, and, but I am originally from San Diego, so I did start my recovery here. I, I uh, went to my first meeting here, and for, for many years uh, I lived here, and then circumstances brought me to Florida, and I miss it here, so I come back every summer for at least a couple weeks. Um, and hopefully, maybe one day, I'm going to be moving to, back to California. So anyway, that's kind of um, what where I'm from. I went to my first meeting in La Jolla at Scripps Hospital in April of 1988. So I've been around a long time. Um, I came into program after months and months of someone sort of very gently telling me, that there's this program called Overeaters Anonymous. And I thought, hmm. But years ago, when I was younger and eating, and I couldn't understand why I was eating the way I was eating, and I just thought there was something mentally twisted with my mind. I really thought there was something wrong with me because I could not stop eating. And I would hear Alcoholics Anonymous. I would just hear the word, and I kind of knew what they did and what that was all about. And I thought... You know, I kind of do the same thing with food, but that was many years ago, and the only thing I ever heard about was anorexia, and I knew I didn't have that issue, and bulimia, and I tried that issue, but luckily I never learned how to do that, so that was a good thing. Um, So I was just this, and and I didn't really... uh, understand the bulimia or relate to the bulimia because I was always the grazer. I was eating all day long. I would shake the box so it wouldn't look look like I ate so much and then I'd go to the next thing and I'd go to the next thing. So I never really ate a whole loaf of bread or, you know, like what they, years ago I remember seeing a movie about bulimia and she ate the whole kitchen and I never did that. I would just go around the kitchen and eat a little, 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 little so no one would know how much I actually ate. So that's kind of the eater um, that I was. So I always knew that there was something wrong. And um, when I walked into my first meeting, and it was kind of an interesting circumstance, you know, higher power, thank you very much, is that I was going on a vacation. I went to a meeting before I went on vacation. 
I came back and I got laid off of my job. And I kind of make a joke that my higher power said, okay, we have a real sick one down here. She needs a lot of time to go to a lot of meetings and get this program. So I was given that gift of a lot of time. So I was able to go to a lot of meetings. And, of course, you know, I was new. I didn't understand anything. I was never... um, introduced at all to a 12-step program. It was very, very, very new, and I was very, very confused. Um, About three months, and this is sort of, I have had many cycles within my whole experience in OA, and you'll kind of hear that with this story. Um, I went to my first retreat, I think it was in August, at Cuyamaca Mountains, which I thought was the best area to have retreats. We have very different things in, um, uh, in Florida. But uh, anyway, I took two names of uh, people that I thought, well, I guess I'm supposed to have a sponsor, or what am I supposed to do with this food, and this and that. So I, didn't under- I really didn't understand anything. And this was after a couple of months. So I took two names down, and I came home, and I decided to call one of those names. And that person said yes to be a sponsor. And she said, okay, Robin, for tomorrow... Just don't eat between meals. And I was like, what? How how can I do that? I eat all day long. So she said, just don't eat between meals. And I tell you, for that first, I remember that first day like it was yesterday. I was literally in my room on the floor looking at my window. I had just eaten breakfast. And I'm like, oh, my God, lunch is like an hours away. And I really had to stay in that spot because... I knew that if I got up, I would eat. So I stayed in that spot. Anyway, it went on and on. I had my lunch, fine. I had my dinner, and then that's kind of how it went. Um, I really, the first meeting that I did go to, and people were talking about how they ate and what they did compulsively overeating. I totally felt at home. I totally could relate to everybody because, again, I felt like I was definitely something was mentally wrong with me. And, and I really didn't know that other people did that, uh, did those things. So when I heard what other people did and how other people acted around food, I thought, oh my God, maybe, maybe this, there's something to this. You know, maybe I'm not so mentally twisted. And it's so funny that it talks about the mental twist in the big book because I really thought there was something mentally twisted with my relationship to food. So that was a really good thing. So that kind of got me along the way. And I've never not gone to meetings for all those years. Um, I have had very different types of food plans throughout the years. Um, I, When I first went to program, I was single. I since got married. I had a baby. I you know, went through, obviously, pregnancy, then a baby, and a whole thing. So, I mean, I've had lots of things go on in program. Um, And because of that, I had to change things. You know, I had to change things. And luckily, I kept going to meetings, which I needed, and I still need to keep going to meetings, because I tell you, I walk out of that room, and I forget what that person said that was the pearly gem that, wow, changed my life, and I forget it in two seconds. So talk about the forgetfulness, you know. That is me. That's why I have to keep coming back, for sure. But, um, you know, I really did have a lot of things, you know, go on as I've been in program for all these years. So 
when I was in when I was in San Diego and I was living here and I went to my first meeting and I was going to a lot of meetings. I was going to seven meetings a week at that beginning. I so I was you know kind of getting it a little bit, a little bit, um, and then I had an opportunity to work. Believe believe this or not, on a cruise ship. I was very new in recovery, and I had to talk a couple years. I had to talk to a lot of people about what do you think? There's all this food. What do you think? There's all this food. Um, and through lots of talking and lots of um, feedback, I decided, okay, I can do this. You know, I'm going to do it one day at a time. And I did that for two years. While I was on the ship, I wrote down my food. I mailed in my food at every port. I did that. I was that willing at that point to do that. Um, and I would call on Saturday. I would call my sponsor, whatever I needed to do, because uh, it was a weekly cruise. So um, every Saturday we were back you know, in the United States. So I was able to make some calls. This was before cell phones. This is before everything. So I had to go to the phone booth, put quarters in, the whole nine yards. So, um, you know, I was really willing to go to any lengths on that ship. And I was successful. I met a couple of compulsive overeaters. I went to the Friends of Bill W. meetings. You know, I would kind of sneak in because people didn't really know. And uh, my, my desk and my office hours, and I would kind of say, ooh, let me see if I can kind of sneak out and run to this meeting. And I did that. And occasionally a compulsive eater would show up, but mostly alcoholics. But occasionally that compulsive overeater would show up, and it would be, you know, really, really great. But I just got a lot out of all those meetings. And since then, I've gone on... I've gone on many cruises in my life. My um, my parents have always been in the travel business, so I've always gone on cruises. And, um, and you know, now it's simple. I mean, it is simple. I go. I don't have to deal with food. I eat three meals a day. I'm done. It's very easy. I go to a meeting here and there, and I have fun, you know. So thank God that was never really an issue. Um, so anyway, so I did that. And then I was – my parents had moved to Florida, and I, I was visiting them, and I met my now husband. So that's what brought me to Florida. Um, when I went to Florida and I started, uh, started going to meetings there, I was used to you guys. I was used to, you know, I was used to California, and there's all different age groups. And, you know, I went to Florida, and there's mostly older people, and, you know, I couldn't relate. And, oh, my gosh, I miss those meetings, and they don't do it this way, and they don't do it that way, and they don't talk about this, and they're so strict about that. And, you know, like, it was really kind of difficult for years, for years. But what I finally started to realize was that, you know, even though I didn't relate to the older people, what I realized was that they were in the program for like 40 years, like a lot of them. They would all say, you know, I've been in the room since the 70s and this and that. And, you know, now a lot of my the people that I go to meetings with, they literally have been in the program since 1971, 1975. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing, miraculous. And there's there are older people. I mean, I went to a dear friend of mine who is uh, in – away and he just celebrated his 90th birthday and it was very exciting we all went out to lunch and it was just really exciting so thank goodness I got over all that comparison and I really just said you know what this is where I'm at this is the recovery I'm thank God there is meetings where I'm at there are a lot of meetings where I'm at 
And, um, you know, I'm really grateful about that. So, um, you know, I've worked the steps many, many times. I have been in step studies. I've, uh, you know, worked the step with sponsors. I've worked them with, you know, just a little group. I've had little, small little groups in someone's house, and I've worked the steps that way, and I've done all kinds of things. But I want to focus mostly on what's been going on with me probably over the last several months, maybe a year, half a year, whatever. And, you know, I think the challenge about being in this program for year after year for all these years is, you know, I just kind of get, I I did get, you know, you hear about that complacency, and I was kind of in that complacency, and I would still show up on my meetings, and I was doing my service, and I was calling my sponsor and doing all these things, but I just, I don't know, the willingness just kind of wasn't there. So I, and my food plan kind of changed, and I wasn't really comfortable with it, and I picked up a certain thing, and I didn't know how I felt about it, and it it was just all kinds of things. And then what happened was I started listening to these phone meetings, which have been fabulous, and if anyone is interested in finding out about it, it has changed my life, so it's very good. About a year and a half ago, maybe almost two years ago, I started listening to these meetings. And what, I, what happened very slowly, evolution, very slowly, is that, I don't know, I got this willingness, like an amazing amount of willingness. And I really wanted a sponsor in this phone group that I was um, uh, attending, and they were only and exclusively big book study. That's it. We, re- we were reading line by line of the big book. On the weekends, they would have a special speaker that would either speak on a certain topic or a certain step or whatever. And, I mean, they were amazing, amazing people. And it was just so amazing. You know, there's people, I don't know if you've done phone meetings, but there are people from all over the world that call in. So it's really exciting. Um, different accents, and it's, it's kind of nice. So anyway, I started listening to this pretty religiously for the last, you know, year and a half or whatever, probably almost two years. I started getting this willingness, and I, I just kind of thought, you know, I've always kind of struggled on and off with my belief in my higher power. Now, having said that, I truly believed that I could not handle this food if I would have, I, if I could have, I would have. I could not. I could not. And I knew that there was something going on. This was even early on in recovery because you guys weren't eating. I wasn't eating. That was a miracle. That was a miracle because, remember, I was eating all day long. And now I'm eating three meals a day, and that's the end of it. So that was pretty much a miracle that I could actually go from breakfast to lunch without eating, lunch to dinner without eating, and dinner to bed without eating. So that was pretty amazing. So I knew that there was something higher than myself that was helping me do that. Um, and I also b- truly believed, I think, I think the little kind of mind gymnastics that I do with the whole power, higher power thing is that, you know, I want to feel it like in my heart and, you know, like this big dramatic thing. And luckily all, everybody who shares and everybody that I talk to, you know, they all have, we all have different kind of 
you know, higher power and how we feel about it and, you know, and, but, you know, when I'm sort of pining for, for that very dramatic higher power that I feel so much, you know, I re- and, and, and then I hear someone share, oh, you know, I talk to my higher power all the time and it's in my heart and I feel it and I feel it and I feel it. And, you know, I believe them. I believe them. So for a while, I kind of went through my higher power was that I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe, and that was probably a lot of that drama that I kind of wanted in my heart, I believe that you believed. Totally, 100%, no question. So recently, now that I've been listening to these, um, the, these meetings, I really had a desire and a willingness to work the steps again. Because, you know, the whole point of working the steps is to have a spiritual experience. And I'm like, you know what? I really want to have another whatever spiritual experience. I feel like I really need that right now. And that's the promise of working the steps. You know, the big book says, this is what this book is about, to help you find a higher power, you know. So I started listening to um, people that said they were sponsors, and I'm thinking, okay, I want to really get a sponsor because, you know, it's all big book, big book. I really want to work the steps, big book, big book. And um, one day I was listening, and I heard this woman share, and I thought, I mean, the thing about the whole phone thing is, you know, you don't know these people. So I wrote all these names down and all these numbers, and I called a couple, but I was kind of like, I don't really want to call them. I don't know them, I, you know, where they live, whatever. You have to get all the time zones right and everything else. So I'm listening to this one day, and I hear this woman speak, and I say to myself, I know this woman. Interesting. And I've known her for years, years, and, and she lives in Florida, you know. <laughs> And, I, and, and she's been, you know, we've been friendly for years. So I, maybe, I don't know, very short time after that, this is the weirdest thing. Thank you, God, higher power. She calls me. Now, out of the blue. Now, I haven't talked to her in a while. You know, we haven't run in. She lives in another part of Florida. She goes south. I go somewhere else. Was that three? Three. So anyway, um, connected with her. She had called me because she's on a committee and she was just checking the phone numbers for the contact. I'm a contact on a meeting, you know, and that's why she was calling me. So I said, oh my God, I'm so glad you called me. Uh, I've been wanting to call you. I heard you on this meeting and, you know, I would love for you to take me through the steps, you know. And she said, oh, I'm really busy with, I have a lot of people I'm taking through the fourth step, but, you know, call me in a month or whatever. So I called her in a month. Anyway, we're working together. Um, and it's just been miraculous. I mean, the willingness, you know, I kind of joke with myself thinking, I'm a really good sponsee. I'm like doing everything that she's telling me to do happily, like willingness, you know? So anyway, I just, since I only have a couple minutes left, I just wanted to tell you some of the things that I do on a daily basis that, uh, some of them have been for a long time. Some of I've added a lot of things as well. So what I do on a daily basis is I wake up in the morning and the first thing I say is, you know, thank you, higher power, and, you know, I pray for abstinence. I, um, and I kind of do a little thing. And then I usually do the uh, page 86, 87, and 88, and I kind of turn those into prayers, you know, which is very good because um, it reminds me what I get to do. I mean, the big, big book has answered all our problems. It tells you exactly what to do. I mean, really how to work your day, how, what to do in the morning, what to do all day, what to do in the evening. I mean, that's what I need. I need clear direction. 
So I do that. And I also um, do my readings. I have some meditation books. Um, and then I, throughout the day, I hopefully, you know, I have to remind myself, okay, well, how are you feeling? What's going on? You know, do you feel a resentment? What's that about? And, you know, try to take that through that sort of 10th step throughout the day. And I write my 11th step every night. And that has been very, very helpful. You know, where was I resentful? Where was I um, selfish, afraid? And, you know, it, it, it's exactly in page 88. You know, it tells you what to do at night. When we retire at night, we go through our day and we, we ask these questions. And it's very simple. And I basically just say yes, no. Sometimes I elaborate. It's very simple. And what I've been doing um, now with the sponsors, I send it to her every night. Um, and it's been really miraculous because I just feel like I have a new awareness, you know. Um, I'm very grateful that this has occurred, you know. I think I needed sort of a new little shot in the arm, I guess. Um, and then, just to end with this, so I plan, like I told you, I come to San Diego every summer because I love it here and I miss it here. And I usually go to the maintain maintainers meetings when I can and any other meetings. So I plan on my trip, and my very dear friend call, called me one day and said, well, the Region 2 convention is going to be in San Diego the weekend that you're here. I'm like, really? Well, the funny thing about that, I know I'm, I'm done, is that my son was with me for half of the time. If, he was, if this meeting was last weekend, this convention, I wouldn't have been able to go because what would I do with him? He's, you know, a teenager, and we have to kind of do things. So it just really was just, you know, and all these things are like the miracles that happen in my life every day. The miracles that I have to remember to think about and to express, gee, that's a miracle. You know, that's what, that, those were those stars that were aligned that allowed me to do this today. And I really just have to be in gratitude. I do a gratitude list every day as well as part of my 11th step and, and that just kind of focuses me on what I'm grateful for today. So anyway, I'm really, really grateful to be here. This is really have been, has been a terrific and a really awe-inspiring um, convention. And I am just grateful to, to be with you today. So thank you. Thank you, Robin. And... Um, our last speaker will be Christina T. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm a compulsive overreader. I want to thank both of the speakers who went before me. It was wonderful to hear, and I was totally into their shares and didn't feel nervous, and then I stood up, and I felt kind of nervous. Um, so... Uh, I have been a member of Overeaters Anonymous since June of 1994. I came to my first meeting the week that I turned 18. I'm 39 now, um, so you don't have to do the math in your head. And, um, and I got abstinent in October of, of 1994, so I'm very grateful to, like, I can't say it without choking up to, to celebrate, you know, 20 years of abstinence last fall. I'm really grateful to be here today. Um, so... This was an, is an interesting title of a workshop, and I kind of thought that's cool because you could interpret it a lot of different ways. And it's cool because having been here for a long time, so many things have changed. So I was kind of making some notes and thinking about, so what has changed in my time in recovery? And 
it's almost everything. My food plan has changed. My concept of a higher power has changed. My body has changed. My, the particulars of my life have changed. The stage of my life has changed. I came in as a young person. Now I'm middle-aged. Um, <laughs> um, well, you know, if I, I figure I, I could wait until I'm 50 to be middle-aged, but I'm probably not going to live to be 100. So realistically, I am middle-aged. Um, the way I feel inside has changed. Um, so many thing have, things have changed in my, in my time in this program. And so when I came in, my early abstinence, kind of the first period of my recovery, um, I think of being a newcomer now as being like my first couple years. Um, I'm kind of slow to get things maybe. I mean, I'm smart academically, but I'm maybe not in an emotional kind of way that smart. And, and it took a while for me to be willing to do some of the things in this program. Um, so my first cycle in recovery was just coming here and being desperate and being desperate. Like I couldn't stop eating and I hated myself and I came because the food wasn't working. You know, I hated myself in spite of it. Like it wasn't numbing things out. It wasn't making me feel better. It was making me feel worse. And, um, so I was here, I was desperate. Um, I was lonely, I was resentful. I was so angry at everything around me. I was scared. Um, and, and, I got, and I got abstinent, and things started to, to shift for me um, when, I, when I was willing to put down the food and to ask for help and surrender to a power grade in myself. Um, but I was still pretty much a mess on the inside until I started working the steps. Um, so my first few years of recovery were difficult and they weren't comfortable, even though there were moments, I definitely had a pink cloud in the beginning when I first got abstinent where I was like, everything is just great. It's so great now. Except then after a couple of months, it came crashing down. It was reality. Like I still had all my character defects and I still had fear and resentment. I still didn't know how to talk to people. I still, you know, like all this stuff was still there. Um, and, um, once I started working the steps, things started to shift on the inside. So if my first uh, period of recovery, my ear- early recovery was like the first couple years, and then I started to get into it, I, in my first few years, I would get a sponsor, and we'd start working on the steps, and then for one reason or another, it wouldn't, you know, the sponsorship wouldn't work, or whatever happened, and, and I didn't ever get past step three um, until I had been abstinent for about a year, more than a year and a half, and I went to a meeting, and I was totally just like, I still feel all this crap, you know, like I'm still miserable. I'm abstinent. My weight is sane and appropriate. I'm not eating compulsively and that's great, but I still feel like shit. And, um, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, the steps work for that. And I was like, Oh yeah, they do. I think I've heard that here before. And I got a sponsor and I started working on a four step and that was when things started to shift for me. So that kind of marked the second period of my recovery was getting active in the steps. And, um, and then things started to change both on the inside and on the outside. So I started to have friends in this program. There was an, a group of other people, small group, but a group of other uh, people in the program who were young. And I started to hang out with them and, and do things and, and have a little bit of a social life. And I was working on this four-step, and I gave it away in a fifth-step, and I started to feel some like release some shift inside, you know, like all this anger and resentment and being a victim of the world, which was how I felt. I wasn't really a victim of the world, but that was how I felt. It's that started to shift when I wrote my four step and I looked at, so here's what happened. 
here I did it by the big book format, which I love. I think there's something magical about that because it just, it just, I can see it in a different way than if I was just talking about it or just writing um, freestyle about it. So here's what happened. Here's what it affected in me, my self-esteem, my sense of security in the world, um, my relationships, whatever. Here's my part. Um, my sponsor had me add another column, which was like, here's what God's will would be for me if, I, if it was different. Um, and so things started to shift. I wasn't a victim of my circumstances anymore if I could look at, well, here's my part. And even if my part was that I held on to a resentment, somebody really maybe did do something shitty, and I held on to that and nurtured that and wouldn't let it go because it was protecting me against anybody doing anything shitty ever again, right? Um, if that was the extent of my part, even still, I had a part. And definitely there are other times where I had a much bigger part. And I could see that, and I could start to let it go and do things differently. It was amazing. Um, so doing my, my first, fourth, and fifth step was really like a spiritual experience and started to open things up inside of me. And um, step six and seven are very confusing to me still. I still don't understand those steps. I, I like the steps where you do something, where it's like you write a fourth step and you read it to somebody. It's very concrete. How do I become willing to have character defects removed? What does that even mean? Like, the, those are the steps that I always feel like I'll, um, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll never understand, but I'll get to keep working on them for the rest of my life. Um, I did steps eight and nine, another huge spiritual experience. I had this huge resentment at my mother, and um, I'd written about it in my fourth step. She was on my resentment list, but it didn't really shift. Even when I read it to my sponsor, my sponsor, who's very wonderful, said, well, you know, that's okay. If like you've done, uh, done all the writing you, you can about it right now and you have all the awareness you have now, that's okay. Like You can come back to it later. And so I came back to it when I did steps eight and nine. And in my eighth step, because I knew that I owed my mom amends and I knew that I couldn't make amends to her if I was still angry at her, in my, my eighth step, I wrote about, I basically did like step six and seven on that particular relationship and looked at all my defects of character and then looked at what would be the opposite. And... Um, this will be another like emotional thing to talk about. I, I remember I was writing about a lot of judgment against my mom and I was writing about, well, what would be the opposite of that? And I thought, I think it would be compassion and seeing her as, um, as a human being and as someone who actually did a really good job as a mom and didn't do a perfect job. And that's okay because she's a human being. And I just felt something again, like shift and loosen inside of me where that resentment that had plagued me for years, I mean, this was years into abstinence, um, that was gone. Um, so those are the kind of things that happened to me when I started working the steps, like amazing stuff. And my life got much better. Um, and then um, kind of the, what I would say the next stage of my recovery started in uh, 2005. I got married and um, I think about three weeks before I was married, I was diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disease. So that's good times. Um, and it's an autoimmune disease, right? So it doesn't go away. Um, and the doctors don't understand that much about autoimmune diseases. They have some treatments, but they don't have cures. Um, and that was when my relationship with my higher power really started to shift. So I came into this program thinking that I wasn't interested in spirituality, I wasn't interested in God, but people just said, well, you know, just act as if, keep an open mind, all that stuff. And I, I said, okay, you know, I'll try it because I'm really desperate. I can't seem to stop eating compulsively, so I'll try this. And so I acted as if, and I kept an open mind, and I put aside all those arguments that I had about why do bad things happen in the world if there's a higher power, and I just said, okay, I'm going to trust that there's something out there looking out for me and taking care of me. 
And when I was diagnosed with a chronic disease, I started to think about those things again. And I thought, well, my pain is actually just a small thing. When you look at all the pain in the world and all the things that have happened to other people that have been far, far, far worse than anything that's ever happened to me. And how does that drive with my conception of a power greater than myself? And it didn't. You know, like the, the conception that I had carefully crafted in this program was something that was looking out for me didn't make sense when I, I waited against all these things that happened in the world. And this is not to say anything about anybody else's conception of a higher power, because one of the things I love so much about OA is that we get to choose our own conception of a higher power and that it can change. Um, and it can change again. And it can change again. And um, So I my... What happened for me, starting kind of in, in 2005 and evolving over a process as I thought more about things in the world and I saw things happen to other people who are close to me, and I started working the steps again, and I, I really, in step two, looked at what does it mean, what does this step mean? It doesn't say anywhere that come to believe in a power greater than myself and I won't have any pain in my life, which was kind of what I thought it said. Um, it says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So I really started to think about, well, what does that mean? What does sanity mean? And the first layer of it for me is abstinence. Like, I've been restored to sanity around food a day at a time. You know, I'm still a compulsive overeater, so I can't take it for granted. But a day at a time, I've been restored to sanity around food, and I don't have to pick up the food. I don't have to obsess about it all day long. don't have to obsess about my body. I get to eat healthy things that taste good. That's sanity around the food. But it's just the beginning. Like, there's all these other areas of my life. It's a spiritual, emotional, and physical disease, right? So the physical is an important part, but there's these other two parts as well. And so I really reimagined, like, what would a higher power be for me if it's not an omnipotent being that is shepherding things along? And um, so I consider myself agnostic. um, And I don't know, that might change again. Uh, I'm not going to say it's set in stone, but um, what I've come to believe over the more recent years is just that there are lots of powers greater than myself that I can turn to in difficulty or in joy. And one of the ones that has always worked has been the steps of this program. Um, The fellowship has at times held me up when I've been really sad. Um, And I can access other powers greater than myself, nature. You know, there's all kinds of things that are more powerful than me, all kinds of things that I'm not in control of that that are just going to keep going the way they're going without me like getting in there and steering them. Um, so, uh, so that, that, you know, that was a really important time in in my program was how those things changed. Um, and then the next stage, which is kind of my more recent stage has been, um, being a parent in recovery. So I have two children. I have a six year old and a three year old. And so I've been blessed to have had two abstinent pregnancies in this program to have gained a healthy amount of weight and to have, you know, got to eat healthy ways. So when I was diagnosed with my autoimmune thing, um, I had to change some of the ways that I ate. And um, I couldn't eat just three meals a day. I needed to have, like, smaller snacks in between um, because my body couldn't handle, like, big, giant meals just three times a day. And that helped me when I was pregnant because when I was pregnant, I had to change my food plan um, because I was, like, ravenously hungry. And, like, hungry like I'm going to pass out or kill somebody kind of hungry. And um, my body needed more calories because there was a person going in there. And then when I was breastfeeding, like, 
oh my God, I was so hungry. I remember I had this pregnancy food plan and I came home from the hospital with my first baby and I ate my breakfast and I was like starving. And I, I was like, I needed another breakfast. And, you know, I got to talk to my sponsor and I got to talk to other women in the program who had had children and been through that abstinently. And I got to change my food plan so that it was appropriate for my physical needs. And there's certain things that haven't changed. You know, I don't get to eat ice cream. Uh, you know, like the things that I binge on, I don't get to bring back. But I got to, you know, bring in more calories when I needed them for for pregnancy and breastfeeding. I got to space my meals differently. I got to time them differently. So my food plan has gone through these cycles, but I've always had a food plan. And um, I'm really grateful for that because I don't think I would be able to just wing it with the food. Um, And of course, it's not just the food that changes when you have kids, right? Your whole life changes. And so that has been... Um, like a huge and the most challenging thing I think that I've had to deal with in recovery has been how to try to parent these two beings and take care of myself and work my program and I have a job and you know I have a husband I like all these things in my life that quite frankly I don't have enough time for all of them Um, and but like there's you know I can't can't cut I'm not going to cut out good things in my life that are important to me and so restructuring like how I work the program and thinking about uh well what can I do differently so like I for years and years and years I used to pray every morning um when I got up before I ate breakfast and um like when you have a newborn baby you can't always count on having a a time where there's nobody bothering you you know and that continues to be true now that my kids are a little bit bigger. I can't always count on it that somebody's not going to actually be bothering me. Um, and it's been really challenging. Like, I, I have not been as sane as I would like to be. Um, but I've been, a, been blessed to be abstinent and to keep showing up. And so I think that the thing that hasn't changed in all these various cycles of, like, early abstinence, being a young person, getting to do things like a you know, be a young person and, and just have a, a young person's life and then getting kind of the benefits of recovery and then getting married, having a career, having a family. Um, the thing that hasn't changed is that I'm a member of this program. And even when there were times where I didn't like the people in the rooms, like before I started working the steps, I had a lot of resentments at people in the rooms. Um, even when I was uncomfortable, like I've kept coming back no matter what. And abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. And um, there's this funny idea. I'm also a vegetarian and people used to ask me like, well, if you were stranded on a desert island and there was only meat to eat, would you eat it or would you die? I'm like, I'd eat, you know, I'd, I'd eat the meat. What are you talking about? You know, like there aren't these choices in life that are crazy like that. So when it comes to like saying abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception, my kids are actually the most important thing in my life without exception, but I can't be a good parent if I'm not abstinent. So it's not like an either or choice. Um, I need to take care of me so that I can be there for them. And I need to take care of me from me as well. So, um, I'm, I'm here, and I'm grateful to still be here. And I think I have just probably a couple minutes left. Okay. So I just want to say a little bit about what my program looks like today. And, uh, again, you know, things change. So it hasn't always been the same. But, I have a, like I said, I have a food plan, and that's really an important part of my program because that's the foundation upon which I can lay everything else. Um, I have a home group that I go to every week. Um, 
I just took a service position there as secretary, so that's great. Um, I'd stepped back from service for a little while at that group because it's a small meeting, and it was like the same people were filling the slots every time, and I was like, this, we need to have share, like let other people be of service and also help grow the meeting in that way. So I stepped back from picking up any commitments for a little while, but now um, I'm excited I'll be secretarying there. Uh, I've got a couple of sponsees who I've worked with for a long time, and I talk to them once a week. Um, I meditate. Uh, I try to have a goal of meditating like five out of seven days of the week because that way, if I don't do it every night, I don't have to feel bad. But if I do it every night, that's great. Um, meditation has been such a wonderful thing for me, like to just calm down. Um, I'm definitely an anxious person by nature, and just being able to like sit and be still was really hard um, in the beginning. And over time, I've I've grown to have a meditation practice that I really love and really feels like. Um, like it replenishes me inside, and that's wonderful. Um, I try to pray in the morning, but that's kind of hit or miss. It depends on how early I can drag myself out of bed before my kids get up um, and read a little bit of literature every day. Um, and uh, I try to show up and be of service when I can, like here. It's been wonderful to come down here. I'm, uh, I live in Oakland in Northern California, so I'm going to like run out of here after the meeting's over to go catch my flight back home. But it's been wonderful to come down here and, and get to hear a lot of good speakers. Um, and, and I came down here like with this idea, I'm going to try to get some phone numbers too because I'm looking for a sponsor. Um, and I know that having a sponsor has been so important in my journey and recovery. And it feels like the last couple people, there's been something that hasn't quite gelled. Um, and, and I know all the people in my inner group, so I thought I'll come someplace else and I'll meet some new people. Um, so I'm grateful to be here. Um, I'm really grateful that I still get to keep coming back. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Christina. And now it's time for the Ask It Basket, if someone can bring it up. Has it been filled? Do we have questions? At all? No questions? Okay, if you want to speak, if you want to get up and, and speak or ask questions, then please come sign the, the form. No questions? Are there any questions? Well, if you'd like to come and ask the question, then come sign up and ask the question. We'll do a ask a basket question share. Okay, come up here. You need to sign. If you're going to ask, you didn't have to write it. If you, unless you want to write it down. No, you're supposed to. If you're going to put your mouth, if you're going to ask the question aloud, you need to sign. I know, but that's what the Ask a Basket is for. So the question is that Robin should tell us more about how the gratitude is going. So what I do is um, at night I have 
how do I do my gratitude list? What does that look like? Um, so at night when I'm doing my step 11, which is going through my day and where was I resentful and frightened and um, that whole thing, um, then the, at the very bottom I just have one, two, three, four, five, and that's the last thing that I do as far as my um, 11th step, and that's what I do send to my sponsor. Um, and I've been told that for years, you know, five gratitudes. I could certainly think of five gratitudes. Sometimes when I can't think of anything, you know, because I'm just in that whatever space, it's like, well, I'm really happy that I have eyes that see and legs that work. You know, I mean, really, we have a lot to be grateful for. The fa- and, and always my first one is abstinence. That's all. That's a standard one. I am so grateful and for abstinence. So that's how I do my gratitude list every day. Does anyone else have a question, or does anyone else want to share? Have some sharing time. You got the cat at your tongue. <laughs> we have ten minutes. If uh, there isn't anybody else who wants to share, and there are no questions, we can ask if this leader, the speakers, have anything else to say. So. Hi there, my name is Lynn. I'm still a compulsive overeater. Hi there, and kind of what my program looks today. um, So what I do is in the morning I get up and I think about my plans for the day. I ask for love and protection, care and direction from my higher power. Um, Throughout my day today, one of the things that I'm really grateful for is I am able, you know, I used to think there was a sponsor I had where we were, like, texting our resentments. You know, I had a resentment. I was texting. This is, you know, I go through the 10-step process, but it was a little cumbersome, if you will, if you're in a meeting, you know, whatnot, or not a meeting, but if you're out at the workplace or whatever to duck out and and do it. But what I have been doing lately is just really a blessing is to be able, I'm talking with somebody, for example, and I find myself, you know, blaming, you know, it's like, it's one of my character defects, you know, something's gone amiss at the office and I'm, I'm blaming. And to be able to just, it says in the book, it says we should, we discuss it with someone at once. And then we turn our thoughts into someone that we can help. And I used to think firstly that, uh, that someone had to be my sponsor or someone in program even. And then the person I was supposed to help was the person that maybe I'd harmed, you know, and it's like, no, you know what? I could think of helping anybody, really. And so one of the things that's been happening recently, especially at work where I do have those tendencies, is to be able to share with somebody that I'm talking with. If I'm blaming, blame, being blamey, I say, you know what? That, that was really blamey. That's really, I got I to gotta shift my attitude. And it's amazing how, A, people really don't have, like, it doesn't bother them that I say it. And it just, it moves me on. And then I can get into a solution. Um, so throughout my day, I try to do that. You know, I do those things. I have those opportunities in the day that I'm in to practice this program, you know, to choose a program of recovery. And then in the evening, I also do an 11th step by email. And um, both of my sponsors know it's, for me, it's really about the accountability, the sending it part. It's just about accountability that I'm actually doing it. Um, I ask those that I work with to try it as well, you know, try it for 30 days. And if you got some other practice that works for you, then let me know what it is. But nothing doesn't work for me. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Like nothing isn't going to work. So um, I do my 11th step. I ask those same questions right out of the book. It says, where will we resentful? And for me, I have examples of, for me, what often, how selfish manifests in my life, how dishonesty manifests in my life. And I maybe expand a little bit on it, but sometimes I just delete the things that don't apply. And I'm able to look at that and, you know, pray for help. 
like, oh yeah, you know, help me do this. Help me do better tomorrow. My experience has been when I do my review, my kind of plans for the day, my evening review goes a lot better. Again, I do go to four meetings a week, uh, four 12-step meetings a week. I have a sponsor. I have a home group. I work with others. I work with others out of the 12, out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 and 12s and our um, approved literature. Um, and that's just wanted to share that a little bit. And I do have a plan of eating that um, helps support my abstinence and um, working back towards my healthy body weight. Thanks. Well, Christina, do you want any more time? Okay. So it's a little bit early, but if uh, everybody has shared everything, had no more questions, then I guess we have time to close. So if uh, let's, let's thank our, our speakers. And if we can stand and share, read, read the OA promise. Do you have the OA promise? Okay. I'm looking for the OA promise. Do you have it? 